Welcome to the 13th and final episode of the first series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about one woman's story of bringing CX to some very unexpected places, starting her own consulting business during a pandemic, and her experiences of women supporting women in CX. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She began her career in the not-for-profit sector and went on to hold various senior roles in the very male-dominated environment of the debt collection industry, before heading up membership experience at the Female Entrepreneurs Association, more recently launching Cultivate CX and being named one of the global top 150 influencers. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Katie Sabler. Hi, Katie. Hi, Claire. How are you doing today? I am great. It's a fantastic Monday. Well, the listeners will be listening in on Friday, so watch <laughs> <laughs> your Friday is equally as good. <laughs> I hope they've all got the Friday feeling right now. Um, so, Katie, as one of the up-and-coming women in CX, you've had some awesome recognition this week, making it mm-hmm. into the top fifty global influencers. Many congratulations! Oh. thank you so much yeah it's fantastic to be featured alongside you and some amazing names it's um I don't know how it's happened but it's amazing (laughs) because you're creating great content that's why and and also I know today your second collaboration book has been released CX2 yeah it's absolutely epic this this past couple of weeks have been amazing and having the book go live today is just an absolute dream yeah, and then the, the last few months, leaving corporate to go self-employed during a pandemic. Yeah, it has been an absolute <laughs> whirlwind, to say the least. <laughs> but I um, honestly, it's been absolutely amazing. Um, so much greatness has come out of it. Yeah, I'm so super proud of you. And I guess Thank I you. have a, a special little place in my heart for you because you're one of the first women that I met in Instagram. And I kind of count you as a founding member of this Women in CX community that we're building because right from the start, you know, you were so supportive of me and other women in CX on social media. I think it really kind of inspired me about if we could show more women supporting women in CX, just how much momentum we could get going to create a better community for each other. Wow, to hear you say the words I inspired you is just blowing my mind um, because it's exactly how I feel about you. And I remember the the days that we first connected on Instagram um, and how just invaluable your support constantly through my transition has been. Um, you've always been there. It's been fantastic. Oh, I'm feeling the love right now. Got a little love out <laughs> Women in CX love. Um, so I think women supporting women to be awesome at CX would make a really great topic of conversation today. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. Okay. So I saw that you spent time in CX in some pretty unusual places, to say the least. (laughs) In (laughs) fact, places you probably wouldn't think CX would even exist. Could you tell Mm -hmm. me and the listeners at home um, a little bit about your time working in regulated services and how you were supported there? 
Yeah, so I um, I, I spent around a decade in the not-for-profit sector, particularly in the debt sector. Um, and that was all about helping people manage debts, working for charities and housing associations. And then I suppose my first official CX role was when I completely turned from gamekeeper to poacher, as it were, <laughs> and stepped into the world of debt collection. Um, and you, you're absolutely right. You wouldn't normally associate customer experience with debt collection. But a role came up which offered me an opportunity to be a customer advocate in an industry where customers do not typically have advocates. And it just seemed too good to miss. It was absolutely amazing. Um, but it wasn't without its trials. You know, I started in that role in a, a customer experience capacity, but it was also managing the quality assurance team. So instantly you felt that there was some CX buy-in, but not enough to actually create a full role focused a completely on customer experience. Mm. Um, but I was really fortunate to work for an amazing customer experience director who after year one, I actually eventually did report direct into and you could feel the culture start to change. Mm. But it was a really heavily male dominated environment with the senior leadership team pretty much run by males. Um, Sarah, my old customer experience director, was one of the few female directors. Mm. And customer experience, not only obviously was it a very difficult environment to operate in, but it definitely had that kind of fluffy sense around it where not everybody in the organization culturally accepted it, accepted mm. that it was needed or really accepted that it was a thing. Mm. yeah I think I remember you saying to me it felt like CX was the girl's corner of that business is that <laughs> a good way to describe <laughs> it, was it absolutely yeah 100% there was uh, initially there was three people in the team we were all women um, I'm pleased to say before I left we we did stretch out to the the one gentleman who joined the team <laughs> but um it was majority female-led absolutely um and even you found uh, I found that my key allies in the organization uh, were typically um department leads who were female and, and not necessarily the the guys who worked in the collections department for example oh okay so what did you say there I missed that so you said that the, the the non-alloys or the alloys the allies were typically oh, female-led departments oh, right. yeah. Oh, I see. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I don't know what it is about customer experience in male-dominated industries and then women being able to kind of combine together to drive specific action around improving customer experience do you think it might be because quite often we work in the departments that are responsible for making change happen for example when it comes to people quite possibly and it's funny you say that because thinking back one of our strongest allies was in the um, learning team so the, the team who essentially curated all of the internal learning and development and training that was female-led and it's unsurprising that she was a massive advocate of um, intertwining CX with employee experience and yeah she was she was a fantastic support but you didn't find that from all the departments that's for sure Mm, yeah, so CX and EX are definitely two halves of the same coin, right? You can't have one without the other. <laughs> exactly. Um, and particularly in that environment, um, EX, the, the customer experience link was just crucial. And you could see intrinsically like the real tangible benefits it had. So they did start to come around to the, the fact that customer experience could have massive impacts. Um, but it was a really slow burn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was getting, I was, I'm just really genuinely like CX geek intrigued. When you say customer experience in debt collection, what actually mm. 
is the customer experience and if you were to deliver a good one what would be the commercial benefit of doing that yeah that's a great question because you know most of what customer experience is focused on is retaining customers and obviously in the debt collection industry that isn't the case you don't want people to stay your customer you want them to pay their debt and then that's it they're done their experience is done with you um but what you find is that these are captive customers. You know, these are not customers who want to be your customer. If they had their choice, they absolutely wouldn't be. But the nature of the beast is that they are. And unfortunately, it's people in debt tend to have more than one debt, which mean they tend to be involved with more than just one debt collector. Mm. And it was amazing when we actually started to ask customers about their experience, who'd have thought it? Mm. <laughs> um, we asked them about their experience and to hear their feedback um, was amazing. You'd actually hear that if they felt supported and genuinely listened to and genuinely that there was flexibility around their repayment plans, if they were on a limited amount of disposable income, they would opt to pay the debt collection company, which they felt cared the most. Wow. So actually there's huge benefits to having a great customer experience in this circumstance. So to actually think that a good customer experience would mean that these customers, despite not wanting to be a customer, would continue to be your customer mm. is what it was all about. Mm. Yeah, I remember doing some work last year with the Housing Association, actually, and mm. they never really thought about residents that were council tenants, for example, as customers. And we were trying mm. to change that. And the benefits that you could see directly of treating customers, their residents with care, was that things like access didn't stay a problem anymore. So they'd be wasting money sending out, I don't know, gas engineers to do gas safety checks and then not being allowed in or <laughs> them being out. So they're more engaged, the residents were, with the company um, through the experience that the housing association provided, the better all around things were, which, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think it's definitely an area in growth and public sector are having to because the government are, are insisting upon it ensuring that um, the people at the end of that service are treated with respect care and an experience so great to see that you're leading, leading the way that way um <laughs> so you said about uh, working in male-dominated environments that in the main men were very supportive in those male-dominated environments you had more allyship for women probably than men but how was your experience of being supported by <laughs> women compared so you mentioned you had an incredible CX director leader female role model <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, tell me a bit more about that relationship and if you've ever experienced anything other than support yeah I, I think I've been incredibly fortunate over the years and I've worked for just a whole host of amazing leaders who I would really high, uh, hold in high regard um, I did have an, a time period where I worked for an organization which on paper was the absolute dream job. It was, it just should have been absolutely perfect. Um, it was female led and unfortunately the dream, it, it wasn't a reality. Um, I actually, I think the role was too big for the organization. So the capacity that I went into, they thought they needed. In reality, they probably didn't, which meant that they didn't really understand customer experience. And they certainly didn't see any benefit that I could really bring. Mm -hmm. And it was just um, a double-edged sword, really, in, in two negative ways, in the sense that, one, I was getting no satisfaction because initiatives, customer experience initiatives, I was trying to employ, which would have made amazing difference to the the benefit of the organization just were never recognized and they would never get over the door and 
you would just spend days, weeks, sometimes even months working with teams on big initiatives that would just be cut before they even left the starting line. Uh, and it was a completely different experience to what I've ever experienced anyway before. Um, the, the leadership, particularly the female leadership, was many, many, many miles apart from being supportive. Mm. And what kind of things happened? Obviously, we're not going to name names, <laughs> but what what kind of what kinds of experiences did you have of not being supported? What did that look like? Well, I think one of the biggest things was I've I've worked in senior positions for a long time now, and I've never experienced such a level of micromanagement where everything, even down to the writing of an email, was just so heavily looked over. Um, it was it was very unreal. I've never experienced anything like it. So there was no creative uh, opportunity. You were led in every single step of the way. And, and that wasn't just myself in the customer experience role. Um, it was unfortunately the majority of the team. Um, and I think it comes from working, or I, I felt it came from working for a person who was a founder and whose business, it, you know, it was their business and they put a lot of blood and sweat and tears into it and obviously it was so important to them but unfortunately they didn't have the capacity to let go and to delegate and it just it so heavily restricted the business in so many ways um, but particularly from an employee perspective because you know you you can't have such tight restraints on 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 your employees because without that creative ability without that trust without that empowerment you're just never going to be forward so it was a, a very very tricky role um, something I've never personally experienced and I hope never to experience again <laughs> it's interesting so I don't think that's a particularly female problem I think it sounds like someone who never graduated from manager to <laughs> leader um, <laughs> because I guess there comes a point in all of our careers where we have to learn to let go in order to deliver more um, <laughs> so uh, perhaps the experience of being a founder and I've worked with some startups where the same has been true and that inability to let go and um, feel the satisfaction when other people are smashing it rather than you having to control it and feeling you're responsible for it um, is definitely one of the most stifling situations to, to be in um, but it doesn't sound like some of the experiences I guess I had where I came across amazing female leadership in most places and say 99% of the time but I personally experienced like going through hell being micromanaged but also actually I'd say being bullied by a woman in the workplace um, oh. who became my boss overnight after we'd been on the same team for about a year so I thought we were friends and then the first day of reporting into this lady she was like right then Claire things are going to change around here <laughs> Wow! and immediately told me that I needed to like get into my my place get into my get into this box that she was now saying was my my role and like even all senior stakeholder communication would have to go through her anything that I thought said or did would have to go through that process so um but I, but I genuinely think that wasn't because she was a control freak that was because she didn't like <laughs> um particularly a younger woman in her team knowing more about the subject but yeah. wow that's scary and I think you you probably hit the nail on the head um and it's it's interesting to hear you as well bravely saying that that was bullying because you, you know I can look back at my experience and there were definitely times where 
you know, I would just never dream of speaking to someone in the way that I was spoken to. And, you know, not just in one-to-ones, but publicly, um, where there were other team members there. And, you know, actually, you, it could well have been considered bullying. But I guess you don't want to really ever admit Play to that. Word. Because that's not something, yeah, and it's not something mm-hmm. you should experience in, in adult life and certainly not in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time because it it really should have been the place where I'd have felt the most empowered, and it was quite the opposite. Yeah, so go, you managed to go from debt collection, where CX is <laughs> like <laughs> almost impossible to do, but being really supported and sponsored to make all of these things happen, to so then going to a company where you thought, oh, this this has the opportunity to work better because there aren't the barriers, but then not being mm-hmm. supported to do it. Do you think? Do you think there's exactly. something about female leadership that I think that my experience comes with an element of fear or jealousy of other women succeeding have you ever experienced that or seen friends experience similar things yeah definitely um I remember one of my first roles actually it was during uni and I worked in a call center you know did my time on the phones mm-hmm. and um, I remember the woman who led the team there. I would definitely associate that kind of situation because she was a she was a difficult woman to work for, um, and it was a difficult environment. You know, highly target driven. Looking back now, I see it in a different light because she probably was one of the only female team leaders at the time, um, and she was quite difficult to work for. And I suppose I was one of the more confident, outspoken people who did achieve targets. And you know, maybe that is one of the reasons why we bristled against each there because there was that little bit of uh, friction and jealousy which is such a shame because you know we should all be there supporting each other in the workplace it's hard enough (laughs) yeah but but I guess the reality is that it isn't always women supporting women us all running around giving power moves to um, our feminist (laughs) sisterhood Um, but you know on the flip side of course there are some negative examples and the series definitely has started to dive into um, some of the challenges of the illusion of scarcity when it comes to leadership opportunities and women becoming quite competitive but um, it sounds like we could have a great conversation about the positive aspects of of female leadership and what that looks like so I'll always remember the female leaders in my career who treated me like they wanted me to succeed and the, the notion of support which always came down to them rooting for me and absolutely wanting me to win and performing the role of knocking any barriers out of my way that they could use their seniority to do that. Um, And if it wasn't for those women that helped me on my way up, I never would have got there. Well, perhaps not at all, but definitely not as fast as I did. What does great female leadership look like to you? I think you explain it really well and I I personally can see why I took that difficult year so hard because just like yourself I've been privileged to be in positions where people had massively advocated for me um, when I worked for the debt collection company I was on what they called the, the one to watch list which is an amazing feeling and I wasn't there just by accident you know it was a lot of uh, down to what I'd done and how I acted there but it was absolutely also through the support of my senior leader mm-hmm. um, and the, the the organization I worked for before then it was it was a male leader but you know he showed such faith constantly in me I remember the first um, public speaking event I did at that organization 
and my um, the the chief executive sent me down to Westminster to to do my first public speaking event. And you know the amount of like trust and empowerment you feel when somebody does that and really advocate for you is it's absolutely amazing. Um, so to not get that and to feel really quite the opposite, it's it's not a pleasant feeling at all. But I think you know despite that time working for that organisation. It hasn't inhibited my feelings towards female leaders, for sure, because I know that that was hopefully just a, a one-off occurrence, one that I won't experience again. And in my transition into the world of consultancy, I've just had no end of amazing support from amazing women from all kinds of different levels, different experiences, different times in the career. And I can 100% say that part of my confidence in continuing to move forward is down to being just con continually lifted by everybody else around me. Yeah, well, that was going to be my last question, actually, was uh, <laughs> about <laughs> stepping out into this entrepreneurial adventure. Um, I guess for, for me, I take great joy now in seeing other women following their dreams, for one. I feel mm. a sense of happiness when I can do maybe a small thing like I don't know I was helping you with like advice on tax at one point or something wasn't it yes, <laughs> yes like, I couldn't have done it without you just some like random <laughs> random things but but that, that duty of care that we have to each other to help elevate others and I guess mm -hmm. I I I didn't experience that myself when I left corporate world and went into consulting that when I reached out to the senior women or the women that were I guess in my eyes like the famous ones we wasn't on Instagram because the, there was no community there until we started one right um and kind of getting like completely ignored I think it's the only way to describe it like not even getting a reply to my messages saying well I've just like come out and I've started my own consulting business whereas the guys were too happy to help like Ian Golding for example was one of the first people that I met I know he's supported you in your career as well mm -hmm. so, so I'm really excited that we've got this new breed of women in CX doing things like coming on the podcast being part of the community and just constantly cheering each other on because I think it's going to be game-changing for our industry and we're going to see more women like you following your dream not thinking you have to stay in corporate people like Hannah Foley coming out and saying actually there's enough room for all of us to have a piece of the pie when it comes to consulting as long as we keep lifting each other up totally and you know it's I, it's really sad to say but I think if I'd have experienced the same experience you did when you first started you know, I'm not sure I'd, I'd be here because I went through um a, the circumstance where I was pushed so I was made redundant I've always loved the idea of setting up my own consultancy but I hadn't considered it to be quite so soon in my career I thought a few years ahead so to not have that support at that time I think would have been really hard but I can say like instantly, um, my my first client was off a recommendation from someone who I worked with so briefly. Um, so shout out to Laura Bartlett for House of Coco founder, because Good without on. her, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah, go Laura. <laughs> and then, you know, yourself, you've been absolutely amazing and completely like so supportive throughout the whole process. And um, I've got a shout out to Sharon Boyd, who is the yeah. founder and director of Canoodle. So she's yeah. my accountability partner. And without her every week, shouting at me and praising me and doing everything that we need to do to keep each other going um yeah I'm sure I'd have had a very different experience and certainly wouldn't have this big smile on my face 
I love charity but the, all the women that we're talking about like they weren't out in the community as independent yet women when I started so yeah like long may it continue that we have more of us arriving so my last question bearing in mind you answered the one that I was going to ask you was just about accountability buddies uh, mentioning the lovely Sharon I've recently got myself one and it's been a game changer as a solo entrepreneur woman in business to hook up with and hang out with another fellow solo entrepreneur mine lives in Thailand big shout out to Rhea George absolute ledge um and every week on a Monday we'll meet and we'll talk about our goals for the week we'll set our like monthly and yearly goals together and we spend our time cheering each other on um in our successes but also counseling each other in our defeats and she's become this is bearing in mind this person I've never met in real life (laughs) such mm-hmm. an important part of my support network um what does having a accountability buddy mean for you very similar so we talk about everything that's gone really well for the week and we're really conscientious of cheering each other on equally we talk about what hasn't gone so well and more importantly what we need to do to overcome that next week um we share little messages to each other just to keep each other going throughout the week um and we keep each other accountable to those goals so you you know what it's like time just flitters away from us we want to do something we don't do it so we are constantly asking each other why haven't you done that get it done um and it's just it's great it's just great to talk to somebody because again like you said working as a a solopreneur you are alone and especially in these times hard to see people so it's just great to touch base share ideas talk about what's working what isn't working it's a fantastic relationship and i'd recommend anybody get an accountability partner yeah because i've had them for like fitness before like going to the gym together and keeping each other Mm. on diets but I've never even thought about it for business I thought as a uh, solopreneur um, that was it like I was stuck (laughs) with myself and 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 through like the whole coronavirus thing it's been the most lonely time Um, I just can't believe that how many people that I've connected with who I've never actually met in real life you included who've become such an important part of my business journey so I just like to end by saying thank you so much for coming on the show today Thank you for always being relentlessly supportive of everything I do (laughs) on social media and in little messages to each other. Um, You have definitely, in my mind, felt like the beginnings of what I wanted to create this community for and this podcast for. And you and people like Sharon, people like Hannah, my Instagram fam um, are absolutely leading by example what inspiring women in CX and and female communities look like. So thank you again for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I'm absolutely privileged. And, you know, you are absolutely leading the way. So it's just, an, it's an honour to be part of your community. Oh, thank you. That's so nice <laughs> to say. Um, so thanks to all the listeners uh, for joining us again today. That's all for now. I'll see you again soon, Katie. Take care. <laughs> thanks. Bye. To the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Musket. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more, please join us at womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Join us again next week for the start of Series 2, where I'll be talking to a super inspiring woman in CX about her experiences of going freelance, becoming a digital nomad and the relationship between CX, UX and service design. See you next week.